Producer Michael Miracle here, and before we get into today's podcast, I'd like to quickly invite you to join the I Work For Him Nation. Being a part of the nation is all about being Jesus in your workplace, because you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. So, head to our website, iworkforhim.com, and click on the nation flag, then prayerfully consider joining the nation. We'd love for you to join us in this workplace movement. Thanks again for listening. Here's today's podcast. Every day. We try to bring a challenge, whether it's via a testimony or introducing a ministry to you. We bring a challenge to the airwaves that go across the world on iHeartRadio and many stations where this show will be broadcast and rebroadcast. Two things. Your workplace, it's your mission field. And in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus though our coworkers and employees may ever meet. The job that you hold, the people that you work with, They need to meet Jesus, and you may be their only chance. It's so important that we recognize the fact that we are at a place in our lives where we are working that God needs us, because we need to understand 80 to 85% of our country, the people in our country, are never going to church, but they go to work. We need to bring Jesus to work with us. However you're listening to I Work For Him, whether it's right off our website, iworkforhim.com, and if you're one of those days you, you can't get in the car and you're not in the car driving with us, you want to check us out, just go to iworkforhim.com and you can find the, it, it, there's a listen tab and it'll get you right to wherever we're broadcasting or it'll connect you to our podcast or rebroadcast. iworkforhim.com or if you want to listen to the podcast, the links are always there, usually by the next day on our Facebook page. Just look on Facebook, I Work For Him. You know, when you hear about someone going underground, it usually means they're trying to escape prosecution for a crime or something naughty. Today, we talk with Lucas Pulley from Tampa Underground. I can't wait for you to find out about this amazing ministry that remains out of the spotlight. Serving And, and when I say out of the spotlight, you guys all know we've been on the air for five years. I've been hearing about Tampa Underground for five or six years. I only just now succeeded in getting Tampa Underground. They're so underground, I had to dig a hole to them to let them out. But these guys are out of the spotlight, but they're serving ministers and ministries and and Christ followers from all over Tampa Bay, and they've got a vision to multiply this across the country. No, these guys at Tampa Underground are not trying to escape prosecution. They're trying to prevent persecution. Ooh, I'm just trying to come up with something. Lucas (laughs) Pulley, welcome to I Work For Him. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jim. I'm excited to be with you guys, talk about the underground. I just want people to know about it. I mean, I just, I mean, the idea, but before we get into that conversation, sure. always always go deep, always go deep. I, I want to know, when you hear, I work for him, how does that resonate with you? Uh, I love it. I love, it's extremely creative. I think when I hear it, the first thing I hear is that all, all of life is unto him. Uh, and apart from him, we can do nothing, and that includes our work. Uh, and it is a, that word that that name I work for him just defies that sacred secular split that we've been taught for so long that even work is meant for him. Isn't it amazing that the enemy did such a phenomenal job undoing what Martin Luther did? That's right, five hundred years ago. That's right, and it took us five hundred years to get back on track to eliminate that sacred secular split. Needs to be nuclear bombed. That's right, blown up. <laughs> Okay. All right. I'll step back off this soapbox. It's, yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, got yeah, danger yeah, yeah. there. <laughs> Lucas, how did you come to be a follower of Jesus? Um, yeah. In in high school, I I had 
stepped away from the church, uh, which I was raised around for for some time. And um, you had a drug problem when you were a kid. Yeah, you drugged your church five days a week. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And in high school, I kind of started to step away. Uh, I fell into uh, drugs, alcohol, some of that kind of stuff. Senior year of high school, no, I was kidding. Okay, you. Got yeah, I really did. Okay. I really did. Right. Senior senior year of high school, I got caught. Um, uh, uh, stealing a bunch of alcohol from a convenience store, providing for a high school party, and uh, that that moment in my life was pulling the rug out from everything, awakening me to the reality of uh, uh, all of my sin, my manipulation, all these things that I'd done to my family, my parents, and that season of my life is where I was grounded forever. And I first my my parents let me do one thing, and that was to go to a Bible study with some some college friends of mine. That and was the only out you had. That was the only out I had, and so I took it. They were very smart, <laughs> and uh, that that summer, just engaging with God's Word and community with other guys, uh, was when I started to realize the reality of my sin, need for a Savior, the 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 breadth of God's love and mercy for me. So the summer before I went to college, I gave my life to Jesus, and um, and you know I got to college and I had a year of of uh, trying to figure out how He is also my Lord, not just my Savior. Sure, uh, but I you know people spend a lifetime figuring that's that out. right, that's right, that's right. So talk to me about the Tampa Underground. Talk to me about where did that where did that come from? What what is Tampa Underground all about? Uh, Tampa Underground is all about activating and empowering uh, followers of Jesus as missionaries. Um, in every realm and sector of society. And um, we exist to inspire people to surrender their whole lives to Jesus, connect those people to missional communities, and empower those communities to discover and obey their God-given purpose. All right, let's just step back. You're using some words that not everybody knows about. That's right. Missional communities. Yeah, yeah. So these are our communities that are uh, gather around and surrendered to the mission of God in the world in some way, shape, or form. So for us, that... You know, uh, we have three categories of what we call microchurches. Those are uh, all of our communities that we empower. Um, uh, those microchurches can be house churches that are committed to a certain street, a certain block, uh, uh, a certain neighborhood. Um, they can be uh, university churches. So we, we have uh, uh, partnerships with microchurches like InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, um, other campus ministries on universities around the Tampa Bay area. And then we have uh, what we would call subculture churches or mission churches that are dedicated to a certain pocket of people. And you'll hear from some of those today, uh, some of those leaders that come on and talk about reaching homeless people, reaching uh, uh, bar communities, reaching vulnerable women, re- reaching people who – uh, uh, our uh, kids, mentoring programs, all that kind of stuff. So, hmm. I mean, you guys got your hands in a lot of in supporting and encouraging a ton of different types of ministries. Yeah, yeah, because we believe that the church is designed by God to reach the world. And how can you reach the world if you do not have the people of God, the witness of God, already in every sector of the world, seeing those places as their God-given calling? Well, okay. We already have the people of God in all of those places. But the second part of what you said is the most significant. That's right. That's right. Seeing it as their calling. That's exactly right. Knowing themselves, having an identity as a priest among a parish, whether that be your workplace, the place you you live, work, or play, Um, and knowing that that God has dreams for that place. He wants the kingdom to embed in that place, and who else but you is going to carry it there? Mm. So true. I mean, you're a younger guy, okay? How in the world did you get such a grasp on this so early in life? Um, yeah, interesting question. I mean, I think not. Uh, 
it's, get some good mentors, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I do. I do think to a degree. I won't go too far into it. You can get too strong on it, but I think not growing up in the church and kind of coming to faith in college, um, I didn't have to. I didn't have to disentangle okay. from from certain things. Um, and I came to my faith very fresh. I mean, I was just a freshman in college, reading the Bible seriously for the first time, and you read the Book of Acts, and it just like portrays a certain kind of life that you feel very called to live and everything felt very like, yeah, this is what we should be doing. And then I obviously had mentors in my life. I was a part of a campus ministry called InterVarsity um, up in Illinois. Uh, and they are very, uh, they trained you how to be a missionary in the campus world and, and, and helped you to consider the possibility that you live on the flo- on the eighth floor of that dorm by design, that there might be people on the eighth floor of that dorm who are, are in need of the gospel and that God is working on, and you're there for that very purpose. So you, I, I, early in my journey, I started to see the world that way um, because of my training in InterVarsity. That's a gift. Yeah. And InterVarsity is a phenomenal organization. Yeah. They really are. Yeah. We, we, we've, we've interviewed people that are involved in the ministry of InterVarsity a couple times in the past. It is a ministry that touched, it t- touches thousands, hundreds of thousands of mm-hmm. students every mm-hmm. year. I mean, yep. It's incredible. So, you know... <sighs> I'm trying to think, yeah, I, we got enough time for this. All right. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you already are doing. How is Tampa Underground encouraging people right where they're at? Yeah, I think uh, we, we are constantly not trying to extract people uh, as, as the people of God. We're not trying to take them away uh, from where they are, from their work environment, from their family environment, from their neighborhood environment. We're really just trying to give them the tools of what it means to be a missionary and, and try to equip them as missionaries in every sphere of life that they already exist, uh, where they can now be a gift as we walk alongside them as missionaries. Hmm. Talking about this ministry that is a ministry to ministries and encouraging fledgling ministries to, for, and people to really, as, as I wrote down, to activation of the priesthood, the activation of the priesthood of all believers, because each one of us has a high calling on our lives, right, Lucas? That's right. That's right. So what would you say is the high calling on your life? Uh, to ruthlessly uh, serve missionaries, whatever it takes. And then aside from that, my neighborhood, <laughs> which is, uh, so I, I have to also be a missionary. Sure. I, I can't... Uh, uh, bring missionaries to a well that I have not myself drank from. And so my wife and I uh, live in Bel- in the Belmont Heights community in Tampa Bay. We feel very called to the Belmont Heights Estates community. And uh, so we, we're, we're fairly active in trying to reach our neighbors and trying to live incarnationally in that space. Is That's another big word. you got to learn. to If you share words like that in Belmont Heights, people are going to go, <laughs> what? seriously, what is wrong with this guy? Yeah, incarnationally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, try putting that in five or six words instead yeah. of incarnationally. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, um, maybe in, in the method of God in, in, in John 1, it's putting on flesh and moving into the neighborhood. Uh, so it's it's trying to put on our faith and and be representatives of God in the space that we live in the space that we exist. That was twenty words, and yes, so just so you know, you say incarnationally, but people are like, <laughs> I have no idea. But well, let me, that, I'm just doing that because it saves twenty words. Yeah, that's right. Use the twenty words next time, <laughs> Lucas. Okay. All right, we're talking about Tampa Underground, which mm-hmm. you know I wanted. I've been trying to get this out there. I want people to know what's going on because this is a this is a ministry you could support because you are busy supporting ministries. How are you helping ministries get launched here in Tampa Bay? Yeah, so we uh, uh, we do a couple different things. We if people have a calling on their life, 
they they feel like God has given them a purpose, a dream, a vision. Um, we exist to come alongside those people, helping them turn that into a reality. And so they can come to us and they can receive uh, uh, several different kinds of services. We have five core services, media, facilities, uh, coaching, training, um, and events and uh, finances. And so we, we just kind of surround them with startup incubation services and then coach them along the way. But there's a lot of people who, who are priests. They are called, but they have no idea how, to what. And they've forgotten over time how to dream, how to, how to really discern, wrestle with God for a calling. So we help people do that too. If you feel like you've forgotten how to dream, uh, c- come walk with us. What are some of the tools you use? Uh, we have a calling lab, um, which is both a local training platform, but it's also offered online for free. Uh, people can walk through it. And it's uh, it's uh, uh, about eight hours of content that basically helps people discern what is calling, how can you try to discover your calling alongside God. Um, uh, and, and, and it's been pretty effective in the past, helping people dream again, learn to dream again. Have you ever used the identity and destiny stuff? Yeah, yeah. So some of that calling lab is centered around um, uh, uh, thinking about your gifting, your personality, uh, your experiences, your narrative, your personal narrative that might give you access to groups of people that others might not have access to. Um, and then just r- trying to discover what it is that, that stirs your heart. Um, so, And then you, put, you try to put all that together and pray, wrestle with God. So there's a lot of people out there listening today that are in varied workplaces. All sure. the, and I mean, you name it. They're 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 digging ditches, they're selling used cars, they're running lines underground, they're serving uh they're serving meals, they're executives, whatever, I mean anywhere in between. Mm-hmm. They're running heavy equipment. How but yet they know they don't know. They they're like ah, there's got to be more to this life as a Jesus follower, as a construction worker. Mm-hmm. What, what, I mean, how do you, and they're like, but, and, and I want to reach out. I want to, I want to start a ministry to other construction workers. I want to start a ministry to, to other used car sales guys. I mean, how can you help those people who they have an idea, but they have no idea how mm-hmm. to take it forward? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, one of the most important things is to actually name the idea to other people that you have on your heart that you think God is putting on you. Because the, the, the longer you keep that inside of you, you don't say it to anyone, the longer you can just sit on it and never do anything. But the moment you speak it to someone in community, uh, speak it to your spouse, speak it to your family, speak it to some of your other coworkers and just say, man, I just feel like there's there's more to, to just laying these plumbing lines. Uh, and I think God has something for us here. Um, and, the, and the more you actually name that to some of your coworkers, that's when you start to actually, you, one, You've included other people in that dream. They can try to start to help you think through it. And two, it's all about accountability. It's about I just named that, and now and now you're included in it, and you're going to be asking me about it, and you're going to be wondering where I'm at on that. There was a jo- there was a book that we highlighted late last year called Every Job a Parable. It was mm-hmm. a pastor out of uh, Canada, eh? That uh, <laughs> I sorry, you have to say that together. Those words go together. That that took like a job like a plumber. Sure. And let's just say that this this plumber is uh, hooking up fresh water lines. Well, that's just like bringing fresh living water. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just, that's what God does. He brings fresh water. And like they fix a toilet. Well, that's to get the garbage out of our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and give us clean pipes. Get mm-hmm. us get us out of there. I mean, and and to be able to unclog some of that stuff. Sometimes you have to get a root out of a line or whatever. That that that's an example of what God does in our own lives. He, he gets some of those obstructions out of our way. Those blockages. That's right. So it. it 
to be able every job really speaks to an aspect of who God is. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you can, it's all multifaceted. You know, the, the redemption of work is mission. Uh, you know, certainly as you're doing your work, you're being reminded of the truths of God. And even what it means to turn your work into mission isn't explicitly about trying to share your faith with your coworkers. It is about that. It should be about that. But also the fruit of your work itself uh, the can excellence be redemptive. Of your work. That's exactly right. right. It can be redemptive. I mean, well, it gets people to ask questions. That's right. I mean, and that's really what this is about. It's about building relationships, which gives you an opportunity and a platform to sharing why you are different. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then having having space to actually invest in those relationships even beyond work. I mean, what what does it mean for you as a priest in the parish of your workplace to be the one? Are you the one that if some, one of your coworkers has a devastating tragedy happen on a Tuesday night? their spouse gets into a car wreck, are they going to call you? Who is the one that they turn to? And oftentimes the people who really carry a spiritual presence in their workplace, they're the ones getting called in those kinds of moments. Mm. Well, and and I, I love that. That's part of what we put out there for the I Work for Am Nation. I don't know yeah. if you check that out on our website, but we ask people to be people of prayer in their workplace. Start yeah. praying for the people alongside of them. Pray for opportunities, but just pray for them. Yeah. Just lift them up. Then serve them. Yeah. But then look for ways to befriend them and outside of the workplace, because that's, right. that's where real relationship happens outside of the workplace. That's right. That's right. Around the dinner table, um, in the in the places where you yeah where you live, work, and play, and that's where we would say uh, that the the church, what it means to be the church, isn't necessarily to have a massive building and a massive fund and a, every single Sunday morning to have a service or something like that. What it means to be the church is these spaces where mission and community and worship. Are, are happening and they're coming and they're coming out into the world and that's going to happen around your dinner table it's going to happen in your workplace it's going to happen in those spaces all right so we're talking today with Lucas Pulley about Tampa Underground now this is a this is a ministry here in uh, Tampa that can be reproduced anywhere in the country where you there's just it doesn't even take. I mean, you've got twenty people on your staff, and you're producing. You're, you're supporting dozens and dozens and dozens of ministries. And, and you told me off the air that this is being reproduced in other parts of of the city already. Already parts of Tampa Bay. Well, what's amazing is how much support you're really giving. So many. I mean, how do you do it? On. I mean, you got a pretty ragtag band of people. I mean, how many people you got working for you? Uh, we have a we have a staff right now of uh, between fifteen and twenty. Uh, people and you know we offer we offer all of our services for free to uh, microchurches and missionaries in the city. And the way that we do that is that that so many of our staff are so sacrificial. They they choose it's a, a couple different things. Our staff choose to live on salaries that are much less than they would li- that they would earn anywhere else in the world, but they accept less pay because of their love for missionaries and their love for serving these people. Um, and also the other way they make it work is a lot of our staff fundraise. Um, and they do, again, they do that because they believe in the mission that they are empowering, activating, and serving missionaries. And they have all, all these kinds of other people in their life that also love that vision and want to contribute to it. Well, and when you talk missionaries, it's not, you know, everybody thinks missionaries like foreign missionaries. Who we're talking just like I opened up the show today, your workplace That's is right. your mission field. That's and right. in that mission, we all have a mission field. That's right. All right, so we've got a guest, your first guest. Why don't you introduce him? Is this Derek? We've got Derek Scanlon coming on, and uh, he is the leader of a microchurch called Beer and Bible. I'll let him talk more about that. But he also runs uh, a Gingerbeard Coffee. It's a little coffee shop in, in uh, Tampa, and it is a little bit entangled with his ministry. So, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Derek Scanlon, welcome to I Work For Him. 
Hey, man, how's it going? Good. We're going to have to hold you on past the bottom of the half hour, but we want to get started with you right away. I mean, somebody's going to, you know, they're, they're, you're getting people riled up just a little bit when you say that you lead a micro church called Beer and Bible. I mean, Absolutely. How can <laughs> Beer and Bible be, how can they work together? <laughs> yeah, man, that's the, the question I get all the time, and they actually work really well together. Um, so we just created a safe third place in a local bar where people can come in, feel comfortable, and encounter Jesus. <laughs> come on, you can say more than that. I mean, I love that idea. You go to the place where the people who are starving, and they're hurting, and they're broken, and they're lost, and you bring Jesus to them. Absolutely, yeah. We meet them where they are. People are going to the bar for to celebrate with friends, to mourn with friends. They're looking for community in that space, and we just decided that... Um, why not bring Jesus into that conversation? So we we meet weekly there and do that. And you guys are both too young, but really, that's what Cheers was all about. It was a church. That <laughs> was right. it was a church. Yeah. All right, well, you're listening to I Work for Him with your host Jim Brangenberg as we're talking about the ministry here, a little bit underground ministry that helps support other ministries. And we just got on the line right before the bottom of the half hour. Derek Scanlon. He runs a micro church at a micro brewery. I love this. Beer and Bible. Derek, let me just ask you this question. Is this a ministry that Jesus would be involved in? Absolutely, man. It's all throughout Scripture where uh, Jesus is hanging out with people that uh, the church turned away. So, you mean the lost people, the people that actually needed correct. them? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The people that are broken, the people that are enslaved to sin, those are the people he hung out with. Mm-hmm. Wow. 100%. What an idea. Sorry, sarcasm to the audience. I just, I love that idea, having a church and a bar. Just in, as long as, of course, you're not drinking, you know, it's not, you're not drinking to excess, of course. I'd have an issue with that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we definitely take, make pride in our leaders. Uh, leading in that example that's when good. we have new people show up. That's good. Okay, so Derek, just a couple of questions for you. Yes, sir. Talk to me about how Tampa Underground helps you and your ministry, Beer and Bible. Um, it, it, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without the Underground. Um, me and my wife joined probably eight years ago when her brother-in-law, or her brother, joined through InterVarsity, and um, we were connected with the Underground and just being pushed to do mission in the areas in our lives where we uh, encounter the lost. And then through a home church, um, we were pushed out to go meet people where they were and kind of bring Jesus to them. And I figured out that a lot of people were at the bar hanging out, and um, I like to have a good beer every now and then, so why not bring Jesus to them that way? But we wouldn't be where we, what we're doing, doing what we're doing without the support, the training, the leadership um, of the Underground Network. So was this an idea that you had, Derek, that you that was it was kind of uh, fermenting on your soul, and, and you mentioned it to somebody, they said, hey, the Underground can help you make that happen? No, we were already a part of it, and okay. um, our home church was pushing us to go out and meet people where they were, so I joined, actually joined a flag football team and tried to invite them back to the home church, and nobody was coming, so I was concerned that it was me they didn't want to hang out with. <laughs> And then I invited them to go to a, the bar after a game, and half the team came out. So it wasn't me they were afraid of. It was maybe the home church setting. Well, you have to understand, most people are afraid of the lightning effect. You know, if they go yeah. to church, they are afraid, seriously, they're afraid of getting hit by lightning. Right. right. So when you look at the impact that Tampa Underground has had on your church, Beer and Bible, the micro church at the micro brewery, what kind of impact, you can use that tagline, by the way, I'll give you that for free. <laughs> what kind of direct impact is your ministry, Beer and Bible, making on the kingdom today? 
Um, we currently have, uh, we do, we have three different beer and Bible locations that have grown out of my location. So we currently meet um, one in the Channel Side area, one in West Chase, and then one in Seminole Heights. Um, so at three different places on three different nights of the week, we have people encountering Jesus at local bars um, and just what are you seeing? Life. What are you seeing? I mean, are you seeing people come to, to put Christ as uh, Lord and Savior? We're seeing that. We're seeing a lot of people come that have been burned by the church in the past mm. and aren't ready to go back to the church, but are willing they're not ready to, to go back to the four walls church. You mean they're not yeah, ready to go back? Correct. To the four, but they're ready. Yeah, but they're yeah, ready to be yeah. part of church again. They have a relationship with Jesus. They know they need Jesus in their lives, but they don't know what that looks like in a setting that makes sense for them. So they are meeting us um, in a bar to talk about it. What's the biggest thing, if you could offer up a thanks to Tampa Underground, what's the biggest thing you'd want to thank them for? Just pushing me. Just continuing to show me that Jesus is out there reaching the lost and that I should be doing the same thing and uh, giving me the resources to make that a reality. Derek Scanlon with Beer and Bible. Thank you for sharing just a little bit of the story right here on iWorkRim. I love what you're doing. Is this what you're, is, are you full time doing this or you get a full time job and you're doing this on the side? What are you doing? I, I opened a coffee shop in the bar that we currently meet in as a way to reach the people that live in the area. Shout so it I, out. Uh, Come on. Shout it out. Go. Uh, Ginger Beard Coffee down in the Channel Side. So Ginger I, I, Beard Coffee in Channel Side, right down by the, by, by, by the boats. That kind of yes, Channel sir. Side. All right. Yep. Ginger Beard Coffee. How do they find out about it online? Uh, we're all over social media, um, and then we have a website, gingerbeardcoffee.com. Gingerbeardcoffee.com. Very it's good. Delicious. Derek Scanlon, love that. I'm not a coffee guy. Do you have Mountain Dew on tap there? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> what is with you know, coffee places should just have one pop, at least one pop, and Mountain Dew would be, of course, the best one. Derek, <laughs> I love your mission. Keep doing it. The Lord has absolutely anointed it. I think it's fantastic. Thanks for sharing your story today, Thank and you. I work for him. Thanks for having me. You know, I, Lucas, of course, We've just ruffled a few feathers. Sure. I, I like that. That's okay. But what I love is that, you know, you're helping a guy go where lost people are. Where people, you know, Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. Where do the captives hang out? They hang out in the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, I, I love Derek. I love his heart. And I love the work of uh, of Beer and Bible. And, um, you know, the, they just basically sit down on those nights, uh, you know, like you said, three nights a week, three different bars, and they just bring a passage from the Gospels. And they print it out, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten times, and they just sit at, find a table, everybody grab a beer, and they just look at the life of Jesus in community. I just think it's prophetic. I think it's amazing. <laughs> it's what Jesus did. That's right. He That's hung right. out with tax collectors. He hung, he hung out with prostitutes. I mean, mm-hmm. he hung out with people who were broken, who were lost, who were enslaved to sin. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Yes. And it is, it is such a potent expression of the church in the world. That is the church. Yes. We're here to set the captives free. Yeah. All right. Next guest introduced. Uh, this is Jillian Pinhale, and she's the director of Created uh, in Tampa. And um, I'll let her share more about that. I think what they do is amazing. Jillian Pinhale, welcome to I Work For Him. So glad to have you here. Thanks for hanging on. I really appreciate it. Wait, Derek called in a little bit late, just in case you want to know why you're going on late. Derek called in a little bit late. Okay. <laughs> so you can get you can, you know, harass him a little bit later. All right. Jillian, talk to us about your ministry. What 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 kind of ministry is created? Yeah, so created is a ministry that reaches women who are coming out of sexual exploitation. So that's women who are in healing and recovery from addiction, prostitution, and trafficking. So we uh, we do outreach every Friday night. We're going out and meeting women where they are. 
So we meet them on street corners and strip clubs and in brothels in our city. And then we invite them into a community space where they can find um, acceptance and belonging and uh, feel, um, you know, kind of taking those steps to meet Jesus and build a relationship with him. So we have um, housing that the women are allowed to move into. Um, we have safe housing for up to two years. And then we also have um, apartments that women can stay in long term. So really, you know, our we offer just kind of wraparound services for that woman, um, you know, we're really needs-based, so, like, whatever is presenting as a need, we try to meet that in whatever way we can. But it's all about relational, intentional ministry with the women who are being exploited in our city. Jillian, there's a lot of people listening, including me, who don't really understand the sex trafficking industry and what is going on and what is going on. And the fact that Tampa to Orlando, an I-4 corridor being a huge sex trafficking, you know, a people trafficking corridor it's it's amazing talk to me about the difference between prostitution and trafficking of people sexual trafficking of people yeah so um that and that's one of the reasons why we use the term sexual exploitation because a lot of the women themselves um to to be to be considered illegally defined as a trafficking victim there has to be forced fraud and coercion so that's what kind of the the, the court systems and things used to define like this is a trafficking victim that they that there was force or coercion um, or fraud that happened in their story. So the majority of women that are in prostitution that is also the part of their story too. So the line between the two is actually very slim. Um, but a lot of our the women who are coming out of the sex industry they don't define themselves as a trafficking victim because um, that it takes a lot of healing and steps um, to get to a place because they basically would be saying, I wasn't in control of my life. Um, but almost every woman that has come into created was under the control of a pimp or um, they were trafficked by a family member when they were just a child. And so it just became a, um, you know, a learned behavior um, that they felt like this is what they're worth and this is, you know, how I'm supposed to live. And so we find that um, one statistic that I like to share a lot is the average age of entry into prostitution is actually 13 years old. And no 13-year-old can be defined as a prostitute, but we work with women who are over 18. And so the reality is most of the women that we are meeting um, on street corners have been in that industry 10-plus years. Mm. Um, so it started when they were children and continued. And that's, of course, not everybody's story. So, there are some, some women that, you know, become become drug dependent through their addiction and and prostitution just becomes an option for them. Um, well, so I want, I, want to ask you, I want to ask you a question, Jillian, because I want to make sure that we really tie this all back to Tampa Underground. How does Tampa Underground help you and Created to minister to these women who have been trapped in this trade? Yeah, so Created actually, um, so we started 10 years ago, and we actually started under the Tampa Underground. So we were one of the first micro-churches that started as the Underground planted in Tampa, and so a lot of the people that were kind of core part of that early underground movement were also core part of created. So, I mean, I think the way that they helped us and continue is really just um, empowering us to say, like, you know, yeah, this is something that our city needs. We need people out there doing outreach. We need people reaching this vulnerable group of women and, like, empowering us to do that. And they've also become a church home for most of our women who come through created um you know that's where they like to attend on sundays for the crucible service that's where they start finding you know they're um getting 
getting people to speak into their lives about Jesus is kind of through that same underground community. How have, I mean, if you were to define your impact, the impact you've been able to make because of the assistance of Tampa Underground, I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine not have, having been part of Tampa Underground from the beginning? No, I couldn't, because we probably wouldn't exist. I mean, they really, they took the the administrative and financial burden that often comes with creating a nonprofit and helped take that on head on. So, like, we were able to focus on the ministry and the mission while still learning those things. We only became our own 501c3 a couple years ago um, and are still under the Underground Network, but those first eight years of our ministry, we really, like, depended heavily on them. So, I mean, the impact that we've been able to make just through that assistance is really we've been able to focus our hearts on reaching as many women as possible. So we're in, you know, we're going out to um, meet women every Friday night. We're in 20 brothels. We're in four strip clubs. We're in, um, you know, massage parlors in the city. So we've really been able to see, like, that growth only because we had the assistance of, like, these other missionaries in Tampa that were like, let us help you with this while you go and do your mission. It's fantastic. Thank you so much, Jillian Penhale, for sharing a little bit about Created and how the Tampa Underground helped you guys get launched and sustained. Thank you, Jillian, for calling in today and making us more aware of what Created's all about. Yeah, thanks. You've been listening to I Work Room with your host, Jim Brangenberg. We'll be right back with more from Lucas Pulley talking about Tampa Underground and the impact on local ministries. If you've got a ministry idea that the Lord has been percolating in your heart, Tampa Underground may help you be able to birth that dream. Introduce our next guest. Our next guest is George Wood. Um, he's the the founder and director of Timothy Initiative, and uh, uh, he's been with the Underground since the very beginning. Amazing leader. Uh, excited for him to share some. George Wood, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right, so tell us a little bit about your ministry, the Timothy Initiative. Sure thing. Um... You know, we've been around for about the past 10 years, and mainly what we do is uh, we try to serve broken men whose lives have fallen apart due to addiction, homelessness, or some other major life uh, situation. Um, We do it through, you know, trying to rebuild their life with, you know, work therapy, community, discipleship in Jesus. Um, We also do it with recovery, and um, we do it with housing. We currently have, um, we just added another home, so we currently have four homes, and we're capable of housing up to right around 40 men. And, um, you know, I can't say enough about, you know, the the men that we have, because um, really it's just, you know, each one is truly a, a living miracle, as you see them kind of go through coming off of heroin all the way to being reconciled with their family. And so, you know, all of the, the whole entire process in between that, that's what we do. How has the Tamper Underground come behind you, come beside you, come along, come alongside you to uh, help you grow your ministry called the Timothy Initiative? Uh, you know, I'm actually one of the older people, um, uh, both actually in my own my own age, but um, also is uh, one of the older people in the underground. I've been there for the past 10 years. So, um, you know, I was back, you know, when we did our first building and, and things of that nature. Um, so I've really watched a lot of these new ministries kind of come along. And, and back in the earlier days, um, you know, the underground really came around me because 
I had, you know, been a pastor in Orlando, and I just moved back to Tampa, and I was, you know, working with some homeless men and just kind of doing some one-on-one type of discipleship. And, you know, the underground actually, you know, needed somebody to help oversee one of their their new building, and that's how I actually came in contact with them. And so I kind of overseeing the building, you know, of the new building, and I did it with the men that I was, um, that were from the streets and that were coming out of addiction as kind of a labor force, and um, actually it was so the let me let me ask So let me ask a question. Yeah. So you've got these guys that you're leading through rehab, sure. discipling them, giving them a place to live, really to regain life. I mean, you're ministering to the least of these, but you also, you're employing them those that can handle it full-time on their own in a construction crew. What do you call that ministry? Yeah. What do you call that business? That's called Initiative Built. And it's uh, that's our, our kind of our uh, vehicle for restoration. We use that both to restore broken, you know, homes that are barely livable to beautiful homes, and we do the same with men. We take these broken-down men and, and watch them become something beautiful. And at the same time, these guys are learning trades. They're learning not just work ethic and, and gaining dignity and things of that nature. They're, like, actually learning a trade and uh, are able to, you know, have a life. Because part of the issue when you're coming out of addiction is you usually don't have any skills or a resume or anything like that. So even if you get sober, what's the best that you can hope for? An eight dollar an hour job right, somewhere, right. if you can get that as a felon. So let me so, ask this, George. I mean, about your ministry, the Timothy Initiative, and, and this business that you've created out of it called Initiative Build, which I builds, which I love that, that you're putting faith into action and teaching people that work really matters to God. Could you have done this without the help of the Tampa Underground? Well, no, absolutely not. You know that's. You know, when I was helping them in their building, that's when they they are actually the one who gave me the idea. It was actually Brian Sanders that came and said, you should do this as a ministry. And I was like, you know, I never really thought about that. And they gave me basically all of the tools that I needed in order to do that, you know, a place to to meet in, in the beginning and, uh, you know, the structure in which to kind of uh, begin this, because I had no idea how to start my own ministry. Sure. No, it's a lot you of know, work, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, gave me, my, you know, the 501c3 to have as a, uh, you know, to be under their umbrella, to to be able to be a legitimate organization that can receive funding, uh, to be a legitimate organization that has accountability and has people that are maintaining a, an aura of responsibility over what I'm actually doing. And the underground has been all of that so much more for me. Hmm. Praise God. That's really cool. George Wood, thanks for sharing us a little bit of the story of the Timothy Initiative and Initiative Builds. Appreciate it. Thanks for calling into our work for him today. You got it. Do I get a pair of concert tickets or anything? Concert tickets. Yes, you called um, 800 free concert tickets. Uh, Dial that number next. Thanks a lot. Thanks for calling in. All right. (laughs) Concert tickets. You have to to work on that one. Concert tickets. If you can give me free concert tickets, I'll give them to George because I never go to concerts. It's too loud. I'd rather have the CD. Okay, so talk to me about this. You've got an event coming up here pretty quick, right? In in the end of February. Mm -hmm. Underground Open. Underground Open. So is that a golf event? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no. Yeah, we're uh, you know because the answer uh, was no, no right? Yeah, yeah. The answer is no on that. We we but we uh, you know the underground, like you mentioned earlier in the show, the underground has been um, maybe hard. Yes, underground. We've been a bit hard to find for the last ten years, and that's been intentional for a lot of reasons. Um, 
mostly because we just wanted to, to hunker down and serve these leaders. We wanted the world to know about Timothy Initiative and Created and Beard Bible and Mom Africana and all these incredible communities before they knew anything about the underground. We wanted to celebrate these sure. leaders and these microchurches. But we just feel like maybe after 10 years, we, we've uh, learned a few things uh, that could be beneficial to uh, the church at large. And, you know, maybe there's some ways that we could contribute to the conversation about the uh, the mission of the church going forward in this country, the mission of the uh, of the church uh, in the world, and so uh, we're we're starting to open ourselves up to contribute to that larger conversation, and we're we're opening ourselves up to visitors a little bit more than maybe we have been in the past, and so um, we're we're throwing a uh, not just national, it's really an international conference, uh, February. Twenty uh, third uh, and twenty fourth, and it's going to be in the downtown Tampa Convention Center. Um, all the information on that is online. TampaUnderground.com dot com. Right. Where they can find out about, it, or on Facebook under Tampa Underground. Yep. All right. So this event, who should be attending that event? Uh, anybody who wants to discern and discover their God given calling in this world, or anyone who who feels uh, a bit dissatisfied dissatisfied with their faith experience so far. They, they feel like there must be more than this. There, uh, there must be more uh, in my work for this. There must be more in my neighborhood than this. There must be more to the church. Does it cost this. any money? People attend the, the underground open? I, I think there's a $49, $50 might be a base registration fee. Um, and it's going to be that Friday night. The free all concert day tickets. Yeah, that's right. It'll be Friday night and all day Saturday. George is singing. George Wood right, singing. That's right. George okay. will be there, and right. uh, we'll, we'll have a pre-conference on on Thursday and and all day Friday that which is for local people who are either just starting uh, uh, microchurches, wanting to start up microchurches, or even people who have been leading them for a while. So if people get to listen to this show before somewhere before the week before February twenty third and twenty fourth. They can come from anywhere in the country, learn what you're doing, That's and, right. and, and then reproduce and stamp it out in another That's city. right. They can come learn. They can hear stories. They can interact with leaders uh, uh, and build some some important transformational connections with people. And, um, and our hope really is to inspire people to take uh, uh, microchurches and the missionary nature of the church to every corner of every city in this country. Say it again. Uh, I don't know if I could. <laughs> <laughs> to take missionary zeal to every corner of every city uh, in this country. And if you look at what D.L. Moody did in Chicago, that's what he did. He took missionary zeal mm-hmm. to the streets of Chicago. That's right. And, and turned, that, turned that city upside down. Yeah, that's uh, right. And, and there's still, a, a hundred years later, there's still stuff going on that he started. I mean, it was mm-hmm. just amazing stuff. I mean, we got great radio network across the country because mm-hmm. of what he did. Mm-hmm. All right. So here's a question. As a ministry leader, you're heavily involved feeding in other ministries. Ministry leaders tend to be overcommitted. And so therefore they struggle sometimes keeping their relationships healthy. What are you doing as a ministry leader to keep your marriage strong so that the ministry stuff doesn't hurt your marriage? What a great question. Uh, yeah, I didn't we... tell him I was going to ask this one, by the way. <laughs> uh, we, we, my wife and I uh, protect. Your wife's we, first name? My wife's name is Jamie. And, um, uh, we we protect certain uh, slots in our in in my calendar where I'm just unavailable. So you know, typically my my staff know that on Saturdays it's going to be really hard to get a hold of me. You really have to have an emergency if you're going to get a hold of me. And um, and Sunday afternoons are are really similar. And it, and uh, we just have some restricted family time, and we try to turn that family time into as quality 
in-depth family time as we can. You got to minimize that Netflix. You got to shut it off. <laughs> you got to have conversations with each other. Don't say that again. <laughs> Don't say that. That's horrible. Yeah, yeah. But I think the most, you know, so, some of the most important things for marriage uh, in ministry isn't necessarily uh, uh, the the little quiet moments and protected time. It's being involved in community with other people, not siloing your life. That is right. Uh, So we we, we try to really walk in community with other people. Lucas Pulley with Tamper Underground. Thanks for being on I Work For Him today. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I hope you enjoyed the conversation about Tampa Underground. It, it, It reminds us we need to work hard, play hard, and pray harder. Let's all intentionally introduce those we live life with to the freedom we have in Jesus. It's all about saying every day, I work for him.